sir. This is preposterous. Preposterous, is it? Why don't we step outside and settle this like men? We are outside. Why don't we step inside and settle this like women? It's the Zucker Brothers, I mean the Marx Brothers Council Podcast. Hello again, everyone. This is Bob Gassell. As usual, I'm here with Noah Diamond and uh, the late Matthew Conium. How you doing, fellas? Very well. Uh, I'm Matthew Conium, and I'm very late. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to be doing something a bit different. Uh, we're going to be talking about a film that is probably the closest you're ever going to find to a modern-day Marx Brothers movie. That is, if you consider 1992 modern day. Uh, anyhow, it's called Brain Donors, and the most remarkable thing about Brain Donors is it's actually really good. Almost every Marx fan I've come across really loves this film when they find it. Um, it was done by the guys behind Airplane and The Naked Gun. And I know what you're saying. You're saying, okay, if this film's so good and it's done by these famous guys, why haven't I heard of it? What's the deal? And, you know, that's actually a valid question. But hopefully our guests today will help uh, us figure that out. And you're going to be shocked. Well, we're shocked that we actually got them. <laughs> we have producer David Zucker and the screenwriter of the film, Pat Proft. They're joining us. I guess they've run out of things to do during the pandemic. <laughs> They're going to be here. But before we get to them, uh, let's take a moment and talk about the film for the people who haven't seen it or don't know what it's about. Uh, Noah, can you just go into a little bit more detail about what this film actually is? I would say that Brain Donors is um, an attempt, a, a successful attempt and an admirable attempt to make a new Marx Brothers movie in, in the early 90s when it was made. It's not a movie that uses the specific characters created by the Marx Brothers, but casts actors in Marx Brothers-like roles. Um, so the three actors who, who star in it, John Turturro, Mel Smith, and Bob Nelson, they don't impersonate Groucho, Harpo, and Chico, but they are given characters that Groucho, Harpo, and Chico might have played. Mm -hmm. And it is modeled pretty closely in plot and tone on A Night at the Opera and A Day at the Races, too. Yeah, we should mention that the one who does the Harpo character does talk but not not a whole lot. He, he's still basically the same character with just a few words here and there. Yeah, and Mel Smith, who plays the Chico-like role, um, isn't Italian, uh, but he is British, um, and so he has a, a different way of talking than the Groucho and, in this case, talking Harpo characters. I, I know our listeners often talk about how it's almost impossible to understand British people when they speak. <laughs> I have the same problem. <laughs> As far as I'm concerned, they did a great job, you know, capturing these characters. They didn't just go for the surface, you know, wisecracks and silly jokes and puns and so forth. They, 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 they made them wily. They made them smart. You know, this, this, uh, title brain donors, uh, which I'm not fond of, does the film a disservice because it's, it's much more clever than the title lets on. Um, you know, uh, the, and they did the Paramount Marx Brothers. Thank God. You know, it's an MGM type plot. It actually is an MGM plot, but it's the Paramount Marxes. It's a little bit of both, isn't it? it it's, yeah. The MGM uh, is obviously the story model for it, and yet it feels a little more like the Paramounts in terms of being it's not a prestige film, you know, <laughs> like the Thalberg films. It's a, it's a knockabout comedy. It also mm -hmm. is released by Paramount, incidentally. 
I first came across this after it had been in theaters, I, I think on home videos where I first saw it. And, you know, over the years, I've come across other Marx fans. Some have heard about it, some haven't. And, you know, luckily, uh, in the Marx Brothers Facebook group uh, and other places on the internet, uh, there's a place now where Marx fans could get together and say, yeah, you know, that is pretty good film. I didn't know whether anybody else appreciated it. So we all have a place to, uh, you know, uh, uh, love it together. And, you know, I guess the next big question for many out there is like, okay, this sounds good. I'm in. Uh, where do I see this? Well, uh, at the moment, you're not going to see it on Netflix or Hulu. It's on cable. I've seen it on cable occasionally. It's probably been three or four years since I last saw it. Um, the best place to find it now, you can purchase a DVD, I believe, on Amazon uh, and some other places. It goes in and out of print, but I've seen, I think it's on Amazon for about 10, 15 bucks. Or if you're, you know, if you're in a big hurry, you can see it right now. If you want to pay one of the uh, places where you can actually download it uh, or pay for a stream, um, you know, like Amazon Prime or YouTube, I think you're going to pay about 10 bucks. So it is going to cost you 10 bucks to really appreciate this podcast. So uh, I hope we make it worthwhile. <laughs> okay, guys, uh, let's do this. Uh, let's bring them in from the Zoom waiting room. Uh, hopefully they're still there. <laughs> hey, let's all hide behind our chairs before we let them in and they'll think we're not here. <laughs> Roast some potatoes in the fireplace. <laughs> okay. We are now honored to welcome two of the gentlemen behind Brain Donors. Um, First, as a writer, director, and producer, he is one of the architects of modern American comedy, who, with his brother Jerry and their friend Jim Abrams, gave us such iconic films as Airplane and the Naked Gun series. His other works include uh, the Kentucky Fried Movie, uh, Ruthless People, Basketball, and my personal favorite, and Matthew's as well, Top Secret. Let's welcome David Zucker. Hi, shouldn't there be applause now? That's in post. Okay. <laughs> also joining us is the screenwriter of Brain Donors, whose career has overlapped with David's on many projects, such as the scary movie films, but also includes The Carol Burnett Show, The Police Academy series, Hot Shots, Bachelor Party, and I know this is going to make Noah wet his pants, the Star Wars Holiday Special. Ooh. <laughs> Here's Pat Proft. And Naked Gun. Come on, Naked Gun. Why are you holding that back? That's, What's wrong yeah, with you? Yeah. Point taken. I just didn't want to repeat myself. But that it's like Groucho said, uh, you left out a hunger dugger and the main one. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of uh, the Naked Gun, I'm holding something that just came in the mail today. The, the Blu-ray set for Police Squad, the series, which has recently come out. It's now in high definition. So please pick this up. Okay. So why don't we start way back at the beginning? Uh, how did your folks meet each other? <laughs> I don't think my folks ever met Pat's folks. Okay. But, yeah. Okay. So why don't we why don't we start with how you guys became Marx Brothers fans way back way back when you were kids? Uh, David, you grew up in Milwaukee area, and uh... yeah, I grew up in Milwaukee. I remember. I think you know, I, uh, probably in the 1950s, I saw You Bet Your Life, and there was this kind of elderly guy who was funny, and that was that was good. But then it wasn't an, until college that uh, they had these film societies and they would play, uh, you know, Duck Soup and Night at the Opera, all these Marx Brothers films. And, you know, you had 800 kids in one of these lecture halls and they'd show these films and it was just, and of course, everybody was stoned and it was wonderful. It just, <laughs> just laughed as hard as I've ever laughed. So, which is really impressive because 
here it was, well, you know, from the 30s to the 60s, you know, it, this, the stuff lasted. And I mean, of course, it's still funny today. Were your parents Marx Brothers fans? Did they turn you on to it? No, no. They didn't do any humor. <laughs> they voted for McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, you, you joke, my dad... In the early days, and, he, and Jim's mom, yeah. they were supporters of McCarthy. And then they, like, <laughs> evidently he, you know, you know, he appeared as one thing, like Hitler, you know, he's going to revive the economy. And so, and, and then quickly it turned south. And they, Have you they no decency? Have you no, at long last, Senator. <laughs> you can run away if you like, Stu. That's just us, dishonest. Yeah. So, I, Pat, I, what... What? What's your story? What's your story with the Marxists? None of your business. So I, what the deal is, <laughs> I, I have, um, I can, I remember seeing them very early on. I mean, we, we used to have um, Lauren Hardy on TV. We used to have, and I think I caught him on television. You bet your life. Uh, I can remember being at my grandmother's house and watching that and, and thought that, you know, this guy's a funny guy. And then mm. it was a, you know, it was a late fifties, early sixties when they started hitting big. It was like Marx brothers, because I just say it was a college thing. Mm-hmm. And I took my dad to see, uh, Night at the Opera, and and I, I don't know whether he thought that was as funny as Lauren Hardy, so I remember that one. But, but that <laughs> stuff, they're fantastic. It just there's been nothing like that. So, and it's still funny. Like Dave said, it's still funny. Stuff is still works. Hmm. Except I wouldn't see the big store again. I don't think. Oh no, they they really had some dreadful movies. And yeah, nothing it, it, was it, worse than Room Service. Oh my God, that's the. They thought part. they yeah. would do a uh, somebody else's material. They they right. were. That was the yeah. deal. So they they took a play, uh, and and oh. yeah, it it just wasn't. Uh, yeah, no, it's like Lauren Hardy uh, uh, at 20th Century Fox. You just don't want to ever think about them and yeah. uh, those films. Those films would be destroyed. <laughs> okay, let's jump ahead to brain donors now. Um, you guys have had successes. I'm sure you could write your own ticket to any film you want to do. What made you want to do a Marx Brothers film? What's the genesis of this? I think it was after the guns. We were just sitting around. I, I, this is how I remember it. Uh, and and uh, we always thought, like, wouldn't it be great if there was a Marx Brothers movie that had just been discovered that nobody mm-hmm. knew about, that was like frozen someplace in Alaska under a, you know, a, a movie theater up there, mm-hmm. Frost. And then we just started talking about it. And then we just thought, and I had a title, Lame Ducks, which I thought was kind of a cool title. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded like a Marx Brothers title. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it originally was going to be a, 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 a Black Pfizer is in Congress and 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 he's fighting to save this, uh, this like James now. Stewart or something. You know, yeah, kind yeah, of, kind yeah. of thing. So he was going to be like, you know, it's still a good idea, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> by the way. But but uh, so that was it. And then we, I think you've just called Paramount. That's when we we could uh, make pick up a phone and and that's say, right. We could like do it. Do we want to do a movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, our our thought process was that we still laughed at the Marx brothers. I mean, yeah. in, in the mid or late, oh, wait a minute, this was the nineties uh, 90, and it was still funny to us. We'd, we'd watch duck soup or night at the opera, or one of their movies or horse feathers. And we'd still think this, this character was still funny. So hmm. rather than actually do the Marx brothers, uh, kind of like the Farrelly's had this, uh, idea of doing the three stooges yeah. as the three stooges. We didn't want to do that. We wanted to do a, you know, Marx brothers like trio. Yeah. There's, there still could be a three guy, what, what Pat and I called a three guys comedy. 
Right. And uh, I think we still would like to do a two guys comedy, like a yeah. Laurel and Hardy thing. I'll too. even do a one guy. It doesn't matter right now. Yeah, I'm not quite <laughs> down to that le- level of desperation, Pat. But yeah, I'm stunned. I got to yeah. say, that is just such a brilliant move. You know, if they had done the actual Marx Brothers characters, everybody would be focused on, you know, does Groucho walk like that? And, you know, is this how Chico actually talks? You know, how good an right. impression are they doing? But. This way, you've sort of dispensed with all that and focused on what's important, you know, the nitty gritty. So it's absolutely the perfect way to do this. Yeah, it was. Now, the idea was never to do with he's Groucho. He's whatever. I mean, the the humor is like that. The humor. But the humor is much like we were doing anyway. I mean, you know, it isn't that far off from that stuff. Yeah, the dynamic among the characters is kind of, you know, relative to the Marx Brothers. Why? Here's my thing. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of the radio whatever we're on pod audience is is what is the uh why isn't shown why haven't we seen it on tv anywhere why isn't it hasn't been on any cable service it hasn't been on any streaming service right do you know why naked gun showed up on on turner classic movies because i wrote a letter oh really (laughs) yeah i said oh i didn't know that you didn't tell me no i should have told you I said, you know, uh, I, I wrote a thing saying, you know, Naked Gun, would, it, why, why isn't that on this thing? And, and they wrote me back and says, why do you think it should be on there? And I said, I wrote it with other <laughs> one of the writers. That's why I think people should see it. But the same thing with brain donors. You know, it's got John Turturro's in the thing. Yeah. I mean, it's so good, too. He's in the thing. Nancy Marchand. I mean, there, there's like two people, you know, who, who, who people know about from Sopranos and from whatever and whatever. And, yeah. and, and Mel, well, Mel, is, it was a, a Brit star, but, but the, uh, yeah. um, I don't know why it's not around. I don't, I don't know. I, yeah. I, as I was saying earlier, I, I think I saw it on cable four or five years ago, but it's certainly not in a regular rotation anywhere and not on Hulu and Netflix. Um, if you want to pay for a download or a DVD, yeah. I guess you could do it that way. But, uh, you know, it's just a shame. It's not more well-known. Yeah. But I know, you know, college age kids, you know, really love the movie. In fact, um, years ago when my, my nephews, uh, Ben and Jeremy, were at, they were at uh, Washington U at, in St. Louis and Emory in uh, Atlanta. And both of them, have, they, they showed the movie. They would show one movie every night of the week on their dorm floor. Mm-hmm. And, and th- that one week they showed Brain Donors and just loved it every night. Every, that was what they did. I'm sure they were on some kind of substances. We ran afoul of Paramount, who was making a changeover. I remember that meeting we had. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I I was already in negotiations to write another one. I, did, you know, did you know that? I didn't even know that. No, they yeah. don't tell me anything. Yeah. Yeah. They were already said they wanted to do another one. They thought they had something really clicking. Oh, here. yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's go back to the uh, storyline you know, of the film. It's, it's obviously Night at the Opera. Um, how, did the, how did that come to pass? Well, we bought the rights to Night yeah, at the Opera. That's, that's what they did, because it didn't yeah. sound like it, I guess. Right. right. It, uh, uh, I, you know, I, we tried to, or I tried to steer away from anything that was in that film, but, of course, you, you, it's hard not to do that, because that's how, that's how the March Brothers function, in that kind of way. And, right. You know, if people think it sounds and feels like Night at the Opera, that makes me, I don't care. It makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I think the the Marx Brothers could have done this. I mean, it's like Absolutely. you know, you yeah. you know, Flack Pfizer walks into the ballet and he says to the usher, "Why these seats are terrible? They're facing the stage." And then an, another another character says to him, "You're lying." And Flack Pfizer says, "Of course I am, but hear me out." 
you know, yeah. these are, yeah. They usher red hands in their tickets, 12 and 11. He says 23, which I was, <laughs> I was like. And there was, a, there was a line we yeah. had, which we had to take out. There was a scene in the beginning with Blackfire just being kicked out of his office. And, and, and the, the, uh, the guy who rents the room says, look, I haven't seen the pennies. You haven't. They're little round copper things. <laughs> I, I always love that line. Why did we have to take that? I, I don't know. I think it's still in there. I, I hope it's someplace. Yeah, I think it's someplace. still in it'll, it'll be like the uh, Feel These Nipples, which, which is in every movie we've ever done. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's a good That's a good point. It, it, the first time we did You're Excited, Feel These Nipples, nipples. it was Flack Pfizer. It was yeah, Turturro saying, yeah. saying it. And then, so, you know, brain donors bombed. So Pat and I always figured, you know, <laughs> you can keep using a line until a movie is a hit. And the next time I used it in basketball, where, right. uh, you know, uh, Al Michaels says, I've never been so excited in all my life. And and uh, Bob Costas says, you're excited. Feel these nipples. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, Costas on the set wanted to say, feel these nipples. And I said, no, no, it's feel these nipples. You know, it's like, it depends. It's very <laughs> specific. You can't say it's a different meaning. So he finally, and he argued with me. And I said, <laughs> we'll do it both ways, you know. <laughs> arguing, <laughs> arguing comedy with Bob Costas. <laughs> right, yeah. And so, and anyways, <laughs> and then so finally, Pat and I, when we wrote, it was, I think, Scary Movie Three or four. Three, I think. It, yeah. Uh, the, the, yeah. Uh, Leslie is uh, Ja Rule, you know, uses a shotgun to bust out of a, a building. His, shoots his way out of a room. The face of Mother Teresa, who's on the and, wall. Yeah. And, and so uh, and Ja Rule says, this is exciting. And Leslie says, you're excited. Feel these nipples. You know, it's like, <laughs> and we did it. You know, we finally hit the jackpot. It's kind of like Hitchcock in all his films. We yeah, have that right. line. We have that line. Yeah. <laughs> So, so can you tell us how Dennis Dugan got attached to the project as the the director? He did a great job. He uh, directed a movie called uh, Problem Child, mm -hmm. and we saw I saw it with Jerry, and we thought it was really funny. And so, uh, you know, we called Dennis, and he loved it. Actually, the first one I went to was actually Carl Reiner. Did you know that, Pat? Oh no, really? I, I had lunch. I had lunch with Carl Reiner. Because yeah. he had done, you know, the jerk and all these things. Yeah. yeah. And we thought because he was kind of of that era, maybe he, he could do it. But he said, and I've used this line uh, many times in my career after he says, I enjoyed reading this script. I would rather see this movie than direct it. <laughs> That's a nice way out. <laughs> Isn't that a great, great way out? Yeah. I would, and so, and so, and at the time I bought it, it takes me, I'm not that quick as you know, but, you know, and so you know, a week later I thought, Hey, that was that was a line. <laughs> and then I wonder well, if he ever saw it. I, I I don't know, but he's dead now. So, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the casting. Yeah. Oh yes, some very interesting choices here. So you know, John Turturro. I know he, he really broke through with Barton Fink. Was this before or after Barton Fink? I, I don't know. I don't know. I Obviously, know. we liked him from something. So yeah, I mean, but I I wouldn't. Uh... I think that was inspired finding him. You know, mm -hmm. I think he was. He was so, so good. You know, it's it. like he's never done anything like this ever again. Has yeah. he? Never not been, before, no. not but since. He, he should do comedy. I mean, he should do. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is that? I thought he was so great in, in that uh, the Redford movie about uh, about the uh, game show. Quit uh, show. I Quit love show. that. I love yeah. him in that. I, I, I may. 
I, I meant that was Flack Pfizer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you get down to it, yeah. I mean, he had that same kind of craziness going, which which was. Uh, did he come in, or did did you did you call him in, or or? I remember I had a meeting with him. I think I had lunch with him. And we talked about it, and he thought the script was funny, and so you know he signed on. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. Jason Alexander at one point was was the thought. In fact, I ran into him, uh, oh, yeah. Alexander, and he was still uh, pretty adamant the fact that he would have been better. <laughs> no kidding, really? Yeah. Oh. I ran into him. <laughs> yeah, and I said, "Hey, Jason," he said, "You know what? I would have been so." You know, he went on about it, and I, I just uh, so that was like a really grueling <laughs> two minutes all it was well nice to see you thank you he could have been good i mean he would have been good yeah he would have been good on the internet i i read you could tell me whether this is true or not that alec baldwin was considered is that it no i don't remember that? that i don't remember that either okay. i don't remember that that's, you know, that's probably that's that's probably from QAnon. <laughs> yeah, right, imdb yeah. they're very similar <laughs> yeah but you know a lot of these guys are really fine actors you know, there's fine actors like Alec Baldwin, I think is great. And well, um, Liam Neeson is great, but whether they'd be funny is, you know, that, that's questionable because they're remember, you know, a guy like Leslie Nielsen was a B actor and stack bridges, graves and, and who right. we used. And so they're, they're not always the, the ones who are funny. You don't want a guy who, you know, in his acting is going, "Hey, I'm being funny." You don't want that. Right. That's why when when, when Hot Shots when, when we signed Charlie Sheen, the first day on the set, he says, "How do I do this?" Oh, really? And I, and so I said, I, "I want you to go for an Oscar. I want you to shoot. Yeah. I want you to go for an Oscar. Totally do it funny. seriously. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> you're, you're, you know, this this is uh, Citizen Kane. You're, you're going for it. I think guys like. Dustin Hoffman or uh, Al Pacino, uh, they're like off the charts, great actors, but I think they wouldn't be, I don't think they would be as good at this kind of comedy because it just really means, yeah, you know, uh, subsuming, is that a word? Your, Ooh, your character. Word. Oh I know I, you could learn from me, Pat. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> Got to use that though. Yeah. <laughs> Along with, uh, I'd rather uh, see this movie than direct it. <laughs> you may use that, that too. That's actually yeah. a great title for a movie. I'd rather, <laughs> rather see, see this movie yeah. than be in it. <laughs> which is which is most of our movies, yes. <laughs> but how do we get this past Mrs. Oglethorpe? Relax. After she sees Alan dance, you've got nothing to worry about. Except for taxes, depletion of the ozone layer, and diseases due to any sexual contact. Mel Smith was quite a fine too, and as mm. Matthew has told us, uh, he's apparently quite big over in the UK. Uh, yeah. How did how did you find him? Yeah, I, I loved Mel. I I went over to um, I had been watching Smiths and Jones and all all those uh, all, all the shows from Britain, the the, the uh, French and Saunders. I mean, I just loved this. And then for Hot Shots, we 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 had an opening at the Prince's something or other. I don't know. It was a big deal, so we showed it there. And and uh, I made sure that I met Mel and I met French and Saunders and I met uh, and I, I just liked I liked Mel a lot. I thought how he looked and I thought he was very funny and, and I thought he could you know rattle off the right. Uh, uh, I, I hope I brought his name up. I don't remember if I did. I hope I did. But but he, he uh, <laughs> did you meet? Didn't you meet the Prince and uh, Charles yeah, and Diana? I, I met, that, that was when I met. Yeah, I met That's Diana. So cool. and, uh, yeah. yeah, and Charles. Uh, and, they weren't interested yeah. in being in the film? I, I asked them, uh, Naked Gun, yeah. uh, 
was the queen of set. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what did he say? <laughs> he said, no, no. <laughs> and he did the cuff thing. No, no. Oh, really? But he knew he knew about it. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Yeah. I heard somewhere that, uh, you know, Prince Philip had loved airplane, but I didn't hear. I, I don't know why. Yeah. Not. In yeah. Hot Shots, what was fun, they sat behind me. And oh, oh, really? she laughed oh. at the sex jokes and he laughed at the... <laughs> At the Air Force, he kind of military joke. Uh, oh. So it was like, there was no compatibility. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. yeah. But that's, but I, I, I still, I'm so sad Mel, you know, he's passed on. Yeah. He did such a great job with this character. You did too, Pat, because it's easy for people to just write Chico as like a, a guy who makes silly puns and, you know, is quite, quite a dope. But, you know, like I've been trying to say here, you made yeah. him wily. And that's really the key to the Chico character. Yeah. And he's charming, as always. And, you know, I just felt like I was watching a Chico relative yeah. from the you UK. Know, what you don't want to do is make a Larry Fine. You don't want to, right. you don't want, you don't want to make that, yeah, that kind of thing. But, you know, I, I, was, I was very pleased that there was funny things for him to do. And he was, he was very good. And yeah, there were so many good people in, in London at the, when I went there. Because Rowan Atkinson, nobody knew about Mr. Bean. I, I brought up, my idea was to go, Fox, send me to London. And I'll I'll bring back some funny people and make movies yeah. with these like French and Saunders and stuff and and, yeah. and nobody knew about Bean and then I I pitched uh, to to Fox about we we should do Bean I mean we should do that movie and they didn't see it and in fact in fact there was a a Bean short was in front of Hot Shots oh. uh, but not here it was in every other country but but United States there was a they, when they like, used to show shorts. Yeah, they had a short yeah. before, which was yeah. very interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, how'd you find Bob Nelson? I, you know, I really don't know. I, I, I it was obviously whoever casted this did a damn good job with, with finding the right people. I mean, yeah. I, I've, I, I think I may have seen. I was at the Comedy Store in the very beginning of the Comedy Store, so I may have run into that when when I was when I, that. <laughs> yeah. I may have run into him at that point or whatever it was, but but uh, I can't remember I don't how know the casting you know, the details, but I imagine Dennis would have sent us clips. I think, of these I think guys. Dennis had a lot to do is because, because, uh, yeah. but you couldn't have had a better guy. I mean, there was, there, this person was, yeah. there. you know, it's like this kind of March Brothers humor. There's people who can do it and, yeah. and it's just not being done. It just, it's, that's the ridiculous part of this is that a whole swath of funny is not, is not, uh, you know, is not not. Uh, but not, people you know, still laugh at that at that kind of humor. Yeah. But I think I did see. I remember seeing Bob Nelson doing his, you know, the routine with the scars. He would have these floating scars. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, juggle yeah, them. Yeah. And I, I was sold. I said, "That's. I yeah. mean, that's. It's not Harpo exactly, but we didn't want Harpo exactly. No, we wanted- no it, they, they may have sent tapes around because that's that's what probably happened. Yeah, his Jiffy Jeff thing has always made me laugh because I, I remember I, I, he did a he did a uh, one of those uh, Rodney Dangerfield uh, hello hello uh, young comedy things. I think I saw that. Yeah. Now many hardcore Marks fans, and I know several of them, are going to be asking why isn't there a Zeppo character <laughs> in this film? Well, you know, didn't. Uh- I, wasn't it Chico that says we're twice as funny without yeah. Zeppo? <laughs> <laughs> but the Zeppo guy, now I'm sorry, but I, I don't remember who, who played that, but the guy who fell in love with the girl, with Lisa Le, uh, LeBaron, that, that was, that was Zeppo basically. That, that's, that's Yeah, that would have been Zeppo. 
Yeah, Mike yeah. Alexander. Because right. it, that is, he was always the, well, he wasn't even the love interest, was he? He just would show up and, and then uh, never see Yeah, well, you know, as, yeah, Zeppo was often the love interest. I mean, you're yeah. talking about the real Zeppo, yeah. Yeah. But uh, they I, they figured they didn't they didn't need him. When but, the clock on the wall strikes ten, and me saying that I know. When the clock yeah. on the wall, yeah. Zeppel was was said to be very funny off screen. He was just a little stiff on screen. I wonder what he did. I would love to have seen uh, you know the uh, Marx Brothers you know in in on, on stage and what what he did. I wonder if he did any more than than what what he did with him. I can't imagine it was anything more. He was just a straight man, but he happened to be their brother. So, you know, yeah. he got, yeah. But then he became what he became one of the greatest agents or something. He was, agent, yeah. became an agent. But he was. But he'd rather represent the movie than, than see it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, yeah. He was, I think he, he fared a lot better than Gummo, who was offered up to the military, I guess, by, uh, by Minnie. Yeah. For experimentation. Yeah, for experimentation, that's what that was his his fate. Yeah. Now let's talk about Nancy Marchand for a minute. You know, oh, she really man. holds this film together in this Margaret Dumont type role. She does physical gags. She is the great expressions. You know, I can't imagine you finding anybody better. She was spectacular. I had at the time. I had I had three movie shooting, which was so weird it was just so weird so i would drop in occasionally on the set and she was just so fun to talk to i mean she she had stories about david suskind people that we didn't yeah. even think about she really was terrific god she was one and what i learned from that is that there's some humans who can do comedy mm-hmm. and some who can't and before that i thought well you just get a straight person and they're automatically good you know, like mm-hmm. Leslie was or Lloyd mm-hmm. Bridges. But what happened was that we, on, on a subsequent Naked Gun, we had another lady who had that uh, part, the, the Margaret Dumont part, to Drebin. Mm-hmm. And she couldn't do it. It was, it was very difficult. I had to, yeah. like, grind it out. Mm-hmm. And it was... It, it, Nancy Marchand could just do it. She just, you know, she had she just it. locked into it. And, and yeah. I think you have to also have a, a great fun about yourself. I mean, it's like, yeah. it's like, you know, she, she was, it wasn't Nancy Marchand. It was all of a sudden she was somebody else. Yeah. And she, terrific. she knew where the joke was. Yeah. But didn't oh, try really? to ham it up. Never tried to ham it up. She was always, no. she was always Mrs. Pinchon from, yeah. from right. Lou Grant. Lou Grant. That, Lou that Grant. was mainly where I had my radar of her was, was Lou Grant. Mm-hmm. But she also was great in Naked Gun. I mean, it, that that whole the whole sequence she did uh, when he's he's urinating and and she's listening to it and stuff. Yes, and yeah. Like, well, she was the mayor. She was yeah, the mayor. The mayor. Yeah. yeah. Which pretty much she played the same character. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah, Mrs. Pinch. Well, write the same stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. But, so, but Ed Asner is not funny, right? Okay, go on. Yes. <laughs> okay, let's jump ahead in the timeline here. Um, after the film was shot and while it was in post-production, from what I could gather, David, you and your brother left Paramount before the film was finished, before it was released. Uh, what can you tell us about that? I think that uh, Stanley Jaffe took over. Who was the guy who was there? There was a the guy Tartikoff, who was there. Tartikoff came in. Tartikoff was yeah. there, I think, or came in, uh, whatever yeah. it was. Oh, he came in. So there was, yeah. it was, Paramount was, was, regime was changing. The regime changed. And, uh, and, 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 um, and they, they, you know, like I say, they, they already had me running a second one. <laughs> so yeah. they were happy. Yeah. Uh, but the new guys didn't seem to, 
take to it. And you guys and, didn't and, get it. Uh, was it was it uh, Jaffe who took Jaffe? I, you know, I don't remember. I, I remember yeah. that we had we had screenings and 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 they were trying to. I don't know what they're doing, trying to find an audience for it, which I thought was very strange because I thought we had one. I remember Jerry and I having a meeting with Barry. I was there. Barry, yeah, okay. The yelling one? The yelling meeting? I, I Was it? I, there was a Hollywood yelling meeting, which I had never <laughs> been in before. We were in some kind of a conference room. I remember talking Barry, about Barry, it. Barry London. Yeah. That's and, what I'm trying and, to think and, of. Yeah. Because we said, our deal was... Why isn't there any publicity for this movie? Yeah, there was no publicity. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, but there is. And then uh, there was, uh, I remember this. I I think one whispered in Tartikoff's ear and Jerry said, what are you saying? Oh, yeah. (laughs) And then he said, none of your business. What do you mean? And he was like, and and the guy was, Lonnie was going was going through the uh, the uh, he, he ran out came back in with a bunch of paper that had uh, the money he spent on 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 publicity for the thing, and then I, I'm sitting there like a dork. I mean, you guys are leaving, so this is like this is like I'm out of the studio. Did Maybe we get up and leave? <laughs> Did we get up and leave? Jeez. So it ended up with with um, with nothing re- really really. Um, you know, it was one of those meetings you have when you know within two minutes. Oh fuck! Right? Is, no. It, yeah. It's it's right. what once you have a once you're in a meeting, it's gone. It's <laughs> it's you know forget it. It's like oh, we'll have a meeting with you with yeah, you creepy meeting. people, and we'll yeah yeah yeah. It's, no, it's yeah. pretty much it then. And it's the guy who sets up the meeting who's the traitor. <laughs> he was always a smart one. Yeah, he was always a smart one. Yeah, he was a smart one. <laughs> But this all adds into my why isn't this shown? I don't understand it. There, there's there's yeah. a, a 75 minute comedy which is not shown anywhere. I mean, I you know if, if, yeah. uh, it it is know. well. You're yeah. talking about the publicity, and I want to touch upon that. I mean, I I go back and I look at the commercials and the trailers and they and the and the print ads, and they don't really do the film justice. And they they change the title on you, right? To, yeah, to I thought Liam yeah. was a better, a whole better. Right. I mean, yeah. brain donors implies that these guys are morons or something, <laughs> you know, and, and they're not. When it played in in Century City in L.A., they spelled brain donor wrong. E E R. Yeah, yeah. Because I I have a picture with Karen outside with Tartikoff. <laughs> I mean, maybe oh. that's funny. I don't know, but but it was like they spelled it wrong. <laughs> that would have been a better title. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't remember any any publicity for it. I don't remember ever. Being- no, there was a poster. We didn't like the posters very much. Nothing like yeah. A, yeah. It seemed like it would have done great overseas. I mean, uh, it, it it is like a thing that is that is very visual and silly. I mean, yeah. it, and and physical comedy. And I don't know why. I don't know why they didn't take it to this plate in Japan for a while. Let's see who goes there. Let's go in Germany. Yeah. See what's happening there. Let let's let's. Uh, it's, it's so uh, it was so surprising because usually studio people are really smart. <laughs> That's David. <laughs> so there are a couple of uh, claymation sequences that bookend the film uh, under the opening credits, and then again at the at the end, sort of like an epilogue. Uh, how did those come to be? I think Jerry had something to do with that. He found this guy who did it, and Alan Ray's yeah. guy was from from Oregon or Portland or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will Vinton, I think, who did the California raisins and the oh, maybe, Domino's maybe Pizza Noid commercials. But I think Jerry was in charge of that. Part, part of the thing was uh, there was a discussion that the film came in at like about seventy two minutes or something, so seventy four minutes, 
and to add some other stuff to make it. Oh, we need to add add hamburger yeah. helper. Yeah. And why we cut the damn movie down? I don't, I don't understand either. I mean, we might well, as probably because well. a lot of it didn't get laughs. But well, I don't know. Yeah. Everybody laughed at the penny thing. And that was him. Yeah. I wish I could find the script. I wish I could find the original script because the original script was was. Uh, or the or the cutscenes. You know, in those days, they would just throw out the gone. It, it the cut like stuff. They didn't know from it, and then you throw it away. Yeah. Yeah. Pat, you talk about uh, a sequel that you were starting the piece together. Do you recall what the premise of that might have been? I think the premise was I'm going to put it back in Congress. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, yeah, right. Okay. Where it should have been. Yeah, right. yeah. I'll show you, bastards. It would have been great. How yeah. Long you are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there was something like that. I still think of you know. There's there's still ideas you get that you, you would think like, my God, this was another one of those kinds of comedies which would be fun fun to do. I, you know. Yeah. I'm sad now. <laughs> I know this has kind of been a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, I know. You know. Should they maybe uh, not not put this podcast out? My wife was murdered last night, so I have you know I'm a little down. Oh, I was meaning to uh, email you about that. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, they're here. But, I got yellow tape already. It's a house, testament so to Prof that he can still yeah. bounce back. I, they, I just saw the cops wear a mask when they're in the house. That's all I care yeah, about. Right. I don't <laughs> You know the great Valari? I knew him back when he was known as a pretty good Valari. We served in the army together. He owes me one. I threw myself on top of an 18-year-old Vietnamese girl and saved his life. <laughs> it must have been very difficult for John not to give these lines a Groucho spin because so many of them you could just hear in your head sounding like something Groucho would say. I'd like to ask him. I'd love to have him here <laughs> tell how much I, I appreciated his performance, but I'd like to ask him if he ever had to steer himself away from acting like Groucho. He probably, had, he probably had more, even more energy than the Groucho character had, I think, too. I think it was, it was kind of hyped a little bit. Caffeinated, yeah. Mm. That's right. You know, he had the rhythm of Groucho, but he didn't need to imitate the voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I wish, you know, I wish there was a second one. I wish there, wish there was. I, I, know. I, wonder, he, I wonder if this just, he shied away from comedy after this. <laughs> maybe, maybe said, <laughs> I'm going with the cones. Yeah. <laughs> I'm and going he did. With he did, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rather than Proft and Zucker. <laughs> yeah, I want to... What was I thinking? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> it's a lost masterpiece. And similarly with Mel Smith, of course, he obviously doesn't sound anything like Chico, but he has got a different accent to the other people. Yeah, So, yeah. so he, is, right. he is a kind of immigrant uh, character. Yeah. My involvement with the film is, is that it, it was a kind of a film that I always wished existed before I realised that it actually did. I, I always used to say that it would be a good exercise to mount uh, stage productions of Animal Crackers and Coconuts again, yeah. uh, but cast actors who had never seen the Marx Brothers and just see what they do with the material. And that's yeah. kind of what we've got here. I, I always thought would be a good idea would be to write an original stage production, yeah. which would be an amalgam of the best of the Marx Brothers, taking mm-hmm. from uh, Duck Soup, Night at the Apple, yeah. uh, yeah. Horsefell, everything, the best lines, make a new plot, um, and and then and, and do a stage play. I think they uh, there there has been oh they did Minnie's Boys I guess but that wasn't. Yeah. But the, the yeah. thing, if that happened, the thing to do is not have a guy with the mustache and the thing and the cigar. And I I, I think you you have to do it kind of like we did in Brain Donors. I think I, I yeah, don't but think original characters. Yeah, I, I don't think that would. Uh, but it would it would be a good stage show, probably a good musical too. 
it would be great. And somehow that this, I remember we had a, we had the, the first read through of this thing. I remember the room was like rocking with laughter. I mean, it was like, it was like yeah. amazing. Uh, and it's like, you know, people hadn't heard the words before. Yeah. Really. Um, you know, a- animal crackers had a great plot for something like this, for a stage musical. Mm-hmm. Coconuts and animal crackers, I think were the first yeah. two that they, yeah. mm-hmm. that they did as stage plays. And then they filmed it on, you know, in Astoria Studios. By the way, it just it, it, their their body work was so cool. It well, just, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a, there was a definite curve of, you know, they did um, animal crackers, monkey business, horse feathers, and then duck soup was very much like, <clears throat> you know, I would always compare it to Top Secret, yeah. which was right. our maybe possibly our funniest movie, but it didn't work as a movie because we had no character plot. There was a structure to it, but uh, we, we didn't have a, we didn't obey the movie rules of three acted character arc. So in the end there, so there could be no ending anyway. So, but it, oddly enough, we did it in reverse. We did our night at the opera uh, first, which was airplane. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, top secret was was duck soup. Just a, a collection, just one gag after another. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and very possibly, you know, duck soup was their funniest movie. I mean, there's there's nothing like that mirror scene and the and when Harpo tries to take a hammer to that clock to make it stop. I mean, just yeah. some really wild stuff. That's funny because I was thinking the the thing I like is Louis Calhoun when when he he like oh I'm exasperated and and then. Uh, Harpo cuts the hair that he does. Yeah, and yeah. cutting the hair, the tops of the things yeah. as they march by. It's Saturday, like, nobody show up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Saturday was a double head of nobody show up. <laughs> they play these every so often. They'll play them, uh, and I'm in, in Minnesota. There's a place I grew up called Columbia Heights, which has the Heights Theater, which is a great art deco place. Oh. And they'll play March Brothers every so often, and, and it'll just be packed. And that's how they should be seen yeah. with an with yeah. audience of other, other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were going to play Rain Donors there. I don't know what happened. I was I was I was going to four wall the theater and, and and put it in there and and just just to have people see it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and because yeah. you're lonely. Yeah, I'm very lonely, yeah, and, right. and my wife's been murdered. So I it, what am I? Yeah, right. That's why right. time on your hands. This is so it's so great of you to there do this. There will be a today. funeral. I like to time yeah. it. <laughs> well, yeah, after after this podcast. <laughs> it's good to hear you guys have so much fondness for the film because you know it came and it went and you know i sometimes i wonder did the makers of this film abandon it did they you know dismiss it as a failure but i'm glad to hear that you guys yeah have, have so much fondness for it yeah no i i watch it i'm still surprised like hey this is this is funny it's i know so good yeah oh yeah my wife and i watched it the other night and i i don't recall the last time she laughed out loud she she absolutely yeah. loved it i know that makes me sick because it should be seen by more people. Yeah, particularly the dressing room sequence when uh, the lobster gram comes in. I mean, she was just rolling on the floor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Three minutes, Mister Jules. I like that one. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. yeah. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and again, Dennis Dugan does a great job keeping this thing moving because this is not a wasted frame, not a wasted gag, they're, and they're all executed so well. Yeah, an incredible pace, an incredible pace, yeah. and incredible uh, rapidity of jokes. I mean, I, I, I. Originally, I was going to say, you know, it's it's as good as a Marx Brothers script, but actually, you know, it's better than a good half a dozen of the Marx Brothers scripts. I mean, there are plenty of Marx Brothers films that, you know, could do with being as funny as that script. 
It really yeah. is an, a very, very fine uh, job of recreation. That's nice. That's nice to hear. Uh, well, the pace really came out of when Pat and I did the Kentucky Fried Theater back in the yeah. 70s. You know, I think we never wanted to be up there on stage when people weren't laughing. And we found that it was easier to keep people laughing, yeah. uh, you know, than to start them all up again. And so so that, you know, people always asked us, you know, the, the pace of hot shots yeah. or airplane. And and this is this is really came out of Kentucky Fried Theater. Yeah, being on stage. It, it, it was like, you know, when you do Kentucky Fried Theater, the thing was it's it's end on a laugh. It doesn't have to have yeah. an ending. <laughs> Just end yeah. on a laugh. Yeah, and and see, yes, yeah. Dugan did a good job with that. I mean, it it, yeah. it, it he did keep things moving along. Were you there, yeah. David, most of the days, or or, or was was uh? No, no, I wasn't, yeah. because yeah. I think I was doing one of the other movies. I was doing one of the Naked Guns. The thing also was uh, what was there was there. There was nothing that was changed, which I was very happy with. I mean, uh, every word that was written. Oh, yeah. Dugan was very faithful to the script. They didn't yeah. add stuff. They didn't think, hey, that right. could be funnier if. Yeah. Uh, and, and I thought that was that was very nice because I usually would get, you know, whatever we do, we get calls or I'm on the set and saying, you know, is this funny? That's always my favorite thing to hear. <laughs> That's oh, yeah. always pleasant. I, you know, it's like Bachelor Party. I wrote with Neil Israel. All of a sudden, Neil Israel's the director, and he turns to me he once and he says, you think that's funny? <laughs> you wrote it with me. <laughs> As if this isn't working, it must have been you. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, I ended a lot of those arguments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, David, uh, you had mentioned to me while we were prepping that uh, you were putting together a book, and there was some Marx-related story. Yes, I just finished a book that's going to be published on Amazon Kindle, that thing, in, in a few weeks. And it's uh, it's kind of my family history, but done, you know, kind of humorously. Yeah. You know, it's basically a transcript of an interview that I did with my grandmother. So she tells her story about how she immigrated here from Hungary and everything. Anyway, she comes to Milwaukee and in her first date, uh, with my grandfather was at a vaudeville theater in Milwaukee. Oh, and I, I stretched things a little bit and I said, it could have been the Marx brothers. You know? <laughs> so, and I, and thank God for the internet. You know, I found an old picture of the majestic theater. It was, which was a vaudeville theater on Wisconsin Avenue. And, uh, and I put that in. So I, 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 I mentioned the, the Marx brothers and also Dorothy Parker at the end. Huh. When, when she said, I mean, because my grandmother died, you know, so in 1985. And so I told the story about how Dorothy Parker was uh, in Hollywood writing for Sam Goldwyn. And it was some routine biopic. And she turns the script in. And on Monday, Goldwyn, you know, comes storming into the office saying, Dorothy, I need happy endings. This, this movie needs a happy ending. And it, it was a biography. And. Dorothy Parker says, Sam, in all of recorded human history, out of billions of years, no one's life ever had a happy ending. People just die laughing when I tell them that. (laughs) (laughs) Should have put feel these nipples at the end of it. (laughs) Sam, feel these nipples. (laughs) You want a happy ending. Feel these nipples. You know, on Amazon Kindle, you can still change things. So I'll I'll put that in there. (laughs) 
No, it's a, more of a heartfelt kind of thing. It's, That's nice. No, it's yeah, nice. I was, I, I, it's I, sweet. I, yeah. You sent me some of the stuff and I, I really liked it. I'm also doing the story of ZAZ uh, from the time uh, we were uh, started Kentucky Fried Theater in 71 in Madison uh, to the opening of Airplane in 1980. So, and that's a, that's a cool story. And also a lot of pictures. And that could be a little movie, in fact. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and Proft is in that, of course. And, yeah. yeah. And John Turturro for some reason. <laughs> yeah, he was a major part of it until I cut him out. <laughs> he never writes. He never says anything. On his, on his like, movies, it's never listed even. <laughs> yeah, Have you ever looked I at know. his IMBD or thing or what it is? I don't think it's even no. listed. Yeah. Yeah, well... By the way, this is a piece of uh, irrelevant trivia, but uh, I'll mention it anyway. Oh, great. While I was uh, doing research for this episode, I came across the fact that uh, Pat's wife, uh, Karen Phillip, appears in every single episode of MASH. Yeah, she was in, she was in the first three or four episodes, and they discovered that, uh, you know, they all, all the characters shouldn't have a girlfriend. I mean, that's obviously was, you know, that's 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 uh, didn't work. And the reason Karen's in every episode is because a shot of her from the pilot, yeah. of her and Hawkeye and the medical team running towards one of the choppers, is used in the opening credits of every episode yeah. for the entire series. Uh, I think I'll put up on our blog page uh, a still of the frame so you could pick her out. Is she recognizable in that shot? Yeah. Oh, okay. We make millions of dollars a day. Yeah, every time that's shown. Yeah, that's you why I'm it. missing her. I'm really going to miss yeah, her. I know, because they stop the payments as soon as... Yeah, is she dead? Oh, is, <laughs> is she dead yet? That's all they want to know. <laughs> no, but that was it, because she was in Brazil 66. She sang for a long time, and that's what she did. She was a, um, in, a, in a group for many, many years, and then, then she turned to that stuff, so... I just wanted to, to just to make one point. We were talking about some of the great lines in it. Um, and just one that I wanted to personally thank you for. Dear Lillian, soon I hope to take you on a Caribbean cruise where we can hold hands on a soft summer's evening and watch that old Jamaican moon. Why that old Jamaican will be mooning us, I have no idea. Oh. Which is, <laughs> I think, as... As close to uh, shot an elephant in my pajamas as anyone since has ever got. I used to I used to do that in my in my act. At the comedy store. My act is in movies now. Yeah, but I, I love that line. And also every yeah. performance of Kentucky Fried Theater, you did that. You, it was at a thing yeah. called uh, Lawrence Lips. Yeah, Lawrence Lips. I, that, 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 I was a Vietnamese <laughs> vet, and and it was such a stupid thing to say. You said I fought in that war, the Big V, Korea. <laughs> 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 Very Marx Brothers, yeah. So, what what are Noah and Matthew? What are, are you just plugged in to ask questions? Is that what you? Is that what this is? Well, we take turns hosting these episodes. Uh, the oh, okay. Three All right. I'm just wondering who the I don't know. And this first. is Bob. Bob's, they're, uh, they're my lawyers. Yeah, yeah I, I thought we had the, the smallest audience in the history of the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are these are yelling. Like, oh. This is the audience. <laughs> oh, no, no. Dozens of people are going to hear this. I was really depressed. <laughs> <laughs> So I should say the name of my book is Before the Invention of Smiling, because I have all these pictures of my relatives, and they're very dour. And, you know, nobody smiled then. But, uh, Flowers yeah. can be sent to my murdered wife's uh, thing. That <laughs> okay, do you want to give that address? Because no, I, I certainly don't need the money. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're going to push everybody to, to, who's listening here, obviously, to get the film. One way or another, so hopefully that's that, right. Yeah, yeah, find it. Will help. I, I see it every so often on Amazon. It, it, it is. The, it, is it? Sometimes they bunch them with other movies too, which, yeah. which 
I, I uh, goes in and out of print. So uh, we're still waiting for the Blu-ray of, uh, or that was the Blu-ray. Of, he got it. Oh. There is a Blu-ray. Huh? No, that but that was a police squad. Oh, police squad. Yeah. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll await the Blu-ray of Brain Donors. Because we get it every slide. Okay, Karen uh, um, sends out for our movies so we can give them to people. People when she them. when she was alive. Yeah, yeah. When that's, she was alive. that's sweet. <laughs> yeah. One of the sad things yeah. I got to find yeah, out. Right. What yeah. it is. It's always reminds <laughs> you of her. It's like yeah. when we talk about sending out for these things. Very very sweet. But I, I see it on occasion. On yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know it's so sad. It's so sad. <laughs> I, I, again, I don't know why it didn't uh, didn't play around the world. I have no yeah. idea. Uh, <laughs> I was talking about Karen's death. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not, I'm past that. But, I'm past yeah, that. I'm moving on. I yeah. can't do well. I haven't had a vaccine shot yet. <laughs> right. That's what you're looking forward well. to. You know, I can introduce you to some young chicks. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing that's the, uh, soon as covid's over yeah, so does, and it, she's gonna bring a friend the next time too See, that'd yeah. be another thing uh the the, uh, the marx brothers characters in this time with the covid and the thing another hospital scene yeah they have a clinic <laughs> you know the washing of the hands in, in Day at the Races? They sing down by the old mill stream yeah, and they yeah. wash their hands a hundred yeah. times? Yeah. Yeah. Well, earlier last year when washing your hands constantly became all the rage, <laughs> that was an oft, oft-referenced bit. Uh, oh, make a good meme, yes. Uh, even in Brain Donors in the in the doctor scene, you know, the, the surgical masks, um, that feels yes. very current all of a sudden. See, we... We had the mask with the face on it yeah. before yes. they're yeah. selling billions of them. I know. We could be so rich. Also in the uh, the examination scene in Day at the Races, uh, Harpo and Chico, the backs of their lab coats say uh, Joe's service station on them. Um, <laughs> there's a gag like that in Airplane, the STP. STP, uh, that's right, yeah. on the back of the, the jumpsuit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in fact... In, in uh, wrongfully accused, it's uh, Hemac Meat Company in the back of the uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hemac again. Now, I like Hemac. Hemac that's been a character. Good. Whenever Pat, you know, we write these scripts together, we bounce them back and forth. And Pat often names the characters. I don't care. So one of them's Hemac, Hemac. and one Which of us. I grew up with with Jim Hemac, so that was Jim Hemac. Name. Okay, but yeah. it's always a woman in our script. It's a woman. I made it a woman yeah. so he could yes. assume. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it wasn't that good of a friend. Yes. <laughs> You know, I wanted to tell you guys that I appreciate the film even more now than when I first saw it, and I and I loved it back then. Um, this it really re- rewards Marx fans for repeated viewings. Did you see it when it came out? I honestly don't recall it uh, in theaters when it first came out. I, I think a couple of years later, uh, somebody I worked with said, "Hey, you're a Marx Brothers fan. You might like this film." So when I was at Blockbuster, I picked it up on VHS. Yeah, isn't that great? <laughs> and I heard about it from Mr. Gassell. Yeah, he said there's this film that's like, you know, from the airplane guys, mm-hmm. and it's like the Marx Brothers, and I'd never heard of it. So I, I got a second-hand copy of the VHS, and I thought, my God, wh- wh- mm-hmm. how did I not know about this film? <laughs> Most of America, yes. I came across it on television, uh, I think in... It came out in 92, no later than 94. I was in high school and I was at the peak of my Marx Brothers obsession and came across it on television in progress and sort of gradually caught on like, oh, this is 
very much like a Marx Brothers movie. <laughs> I was fascinated by it, and I eventually figured out what it was and, and where it had come from. And, you know, at the time, the Marx Brothers and Woody Allen were my two favorite things. I would spend all night re-watching those sets of movies. And in mm-hmm. the same way that When Harry Met Sally felt like a Woody Allen movie without Woody Allen, mm-hmm. uh, Brain Donors yeah. was the Marx Brothers equivalent. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of yeah. another one you didn't know about. Well, when people would ask Jerry and Jim and me, you know, what was our main influences? You know, we would always say uh, Woody Allen and the Marx Brothers. Yeah, there's a real affinity there between them. And and early Woody Allen movies owe yeah, something great. to them. I mean, the, the, you know, Bananas is like crazy. In our Kentucky Fried Theater show, we did a sketch. It was called The Courtroom. And it was very yeah. Marx Brothers. And I, this was back in... 1974 or five. But I remember uh, one of my, when a friend of mine, Rich Markey, uh, came from Milwaukee to move here. And uh, one of, and he's another Marx Brothers fan like I am. So one of the first things we did was we looked up Groucho's address and went up to, drove up to Truesdale hmm. and knocked on the door. And <laughs> his Groucho's nurse answered, And, uh, you know, she's very nice, but said he wasn't up to seeing anyone yeah. that day. And uh, unfortunately, I never tried again. I should have, I should have, yeah. now when I think about it, I should have gone back every day. I know. And we didn't have cameras in those days, or we didn't carry them around. You know, yeah. everybody has a camera on them at all times. We, uh, people don't remember the era before cell phones. Yeah. And so I, don't, I doubt if we even would have brought a camera. I would have sketched. I sketched everything. So you sketched like you. That's, yeah. what I did. That's why I carried that easel. Why are you carrying an easel? You always said to me. It was before cell phones. Yeah. Because I, I think like that I, I met, uh, see, I was big Lauren Hardy, still am. And, and on my birthday once, which I thought was kind of cool, they they took me to visit the graves of, of Stan and, and Ollie, which I thought was, you know, was kind of sweet. It was like, you know, I'm standing there. I'm thinking, oh, my God, it's the closest I've ever been to these guys. But it was like. <laughs> It was a nice, you know, it was a nice feeling. And then afterwards, I was taken to Hal Roach's house, which was, uh, uh, and, and and the same thing happened. He was supposed to meet me, and his uh, uh, his maid, Spanish maid, came out, and and uh, I know nothing. <laughs> She was doing oh. this to me. I know nothing. I'm going, oh, come on. You know? <laughs> I said, yeah. well, I had these things. I found in in a in a um a flea market i found stationery from the hal Roach studios 1935 and it had these great oh. uh, characters uh, of yeah. all the characters up there and mm-hmm. i said well, he signed this and 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 uh, uh and he did but he signed it in the bottom like it was a letter <laughs> <laughs> so i never get to meet him but i you know i just stood outside you the got door that close yeah he was 100 he was 90 something or something like that and, so, you know and when i went and knocked on the Groucho's door, what I wanted to do was I, I, I had tickets to our show. I wanted to give him tickets oh, to the show. Hmm. So I, my fantasy was Groucho coming to the show and seeing us through the courtroom because I we were doing vaudeville. The, what, was his, what was the woman who, who actually was with him in the last part of his life? Oh yeah, Aaron uh, Fleming. Aaron Fleming. Hmm. And uh, well, Andy has a lot to say about that. He knows <laughs> you know, of yeah. what really happened. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he went into that in, when he a was bit. on Yeah. Was it a good thing or a bad thing that she was there? Both. I think it was yeah, both. It yeah. was. It, it kind of, it put him out there. Yeah. 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 So on that note, um, we want to thank you both for joining us. It really was a tremendous honor to have you on and talking about this film. And 
hearing of your enthusiasm for it. And we're going to do what we can to get this film seen by as many people as possible. Maybe even get that sequel into production. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're, we're working on it. <laughs> nice meeting you guys. You guys are Yeah, nice good. meeting you. Take care. Bye-bye. So, how about that? That was uh, David Zucker and Pat Proft. I thought they'd never leave. (laughs) (laughs) And I got to say, I am so proud of you guys. I'm proud of all of us, actually. We talked for almost an hour there, and not one Shirley joke, okay? (laughs) I didn't think we could do it, but we did it. Yeah, I figure they've heard it before. And I got to say, the most fascinating thing I got out of this interview was the fact that while they were making it, and soon after, the studio was actually quite high on it. Wanted to do a sequel, and, but mm. the, the new uh, the new blood that came in just basically just shelved it. Reminds me of that film, uh, The Big Picture. Did it, I don't know if anybody else saw it. Uh, you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I thought that was just, I thought it perplexed people from day one. That was very interesting, yeah. yeah. I got to say, this promotional campaign just sucked. <laughs> the, these posters, this artwork, there's nothing about this that hints that is anything to do with the Marx Brothers. I mean, anything. The, the tagline is... Uh, in the tradition of Abbott and Costello, the Three Stooges, and the Reagan yeah. administration. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, there you had an opportunity to alert Marx Talk Brothers Talk about fans. Miss... Yeah, for God's sake. Two other comedy teams who are not evoked at all. Yeah, and, and the artwork also, um, and as well as the title, strongly suggests that it's a medical comedy, which is only one scene in it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and that and that tagline, yeah, but also that awful music, that awful theme music, which um, I I believe is a casualty of the, of the um, of it be of it being dumped, isn't it? I I get what you're saying, but the guy who did the theme, Ira Newborn, and I know his work. He did the great theme for uh, the Naked Gun Police Squad, and also did uh, music for SCTV. Did the theme for SCTV. He's done some great work. I think maybe it's just the arrangement here. It just seems sort of maybe a little too synthesized for for our tastes. Yeah. A lot of the choices in the film, it, it seems like, you know, they're very deliberate about not making it a period piece, you know? So you're not going to use music that sounds like the 30s or, or cinematography that looks like the yeah. 30s. Yeah. So it, they kept it contemporary, but that now plays a little bit like, you know, late 80s television mm. values. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would have been interesting, wouldn't it, if we had gotten a series of films with these characters and mm. if Turturro and Nelson and Smith had in essence, become a comedy team. But I really wonder whether Totoro, after he had hit it big, would have even considered coming back to do this again. It does capture him right at the moment of his breakthrough. I think it's the year after Barton Fink, and maybe Well, it came out after Barton Fink, but it had been in the can for a while, so I wonder if it had been shot actually before. Yeah, it's interesting, because because of Turturro and who he went on to become, you know, the film features this starring performance from... A very idiosyncratic, but very good and highly respected actor. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see him at Carnegie Hall. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if uh, when Raising Eyebrows finally gets made, if he would consider reprising that uh, characterization. Yeah, that's the thought. As the elder Rowan, what's his character? <laughs> Flag Pfizer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, Flag right. Pfizer. <laughs> Raised my, my ears inside Flag Pfizer's <laughs> Well, one of the things that works so nicely about his performance is that he conjures up the spirit of Groucho very convincingly without mm-hmm. ever sounding like him. I mean, he mm-hmm. he has a very different – I know he probably could do a, a reasonable Groucho voice if he yeah. chose to. But he has more of a Mel Brooks kind of raspy burr to his voice, mm-hmm. and it, mm-hmm. it makes it 
you know, he can never be accused of doing a direct impersonation, but he can go right up to the line of behaving like Groucho, but more so than somebody with a similar voice could. Mrs. Oglethorpe, you look wonderful. I could make love to you right here and now. Roland, please, let's keep this on a professional level. Very well, then I'll charge you 50 bucks a pop. At one point, he calls someone a contemptible cur. I think that's that, that's a direct quote. <laughs> um, and there also is an interesting moment when he says to Nancy Marchand's Margaret Dumont-like character, um, he says, uh, you make me feel like a natural woman, which is exactly what Groucho would do. It's just that it's a contemporary song for mm. the time the movie was yeah. made, sliding into popular song lyrics in conversation. Very impressive. And that's that's the that's the key to the whole film isn't it that's how the whole film works and that's what's so uh admirable about it i think you know we're used to seeing as as uh, we said in the discussion sort of new laurel and hardy films and new three stooges films where you get some impersonators who might be quite good you know in some cases are pretty good and and you know some fairly dodgy material that hasn't been uh had much thought put into it and this is this is the other the other way around you know it's it's um it, it's a completely reimagined and yet authentic um, version of a, of a Marx Brothers film that ne- never was. And one of the things that Pat said that I thought was quite interesting was that that he uh, wasn't particularly influenced by any of the um, actual Marx Brothers movies beyond getting the idea from from A Night at the Opera. Because it seemed to me that, that the film doesn't, doesn't do that at all. It does something very different, which is almost kind of show off um how it it constantly takes ideas from a night of the opera and then does something different with them yeah. and it got to the point where i actually started making making a list of them because there were so many um there's a contract tearing scene which yeah. is to- totally different from the contract tearing scene mm. um there's a there's a speech um which is like the aviator speech but is different um there's uh going from room to room scene which is different from the actual going to room to room scene there's a medical examination for like the one in races but is very very different uh obviously there's disrupting the show uh um like in a night of the opera um but but there are no actual duplicated jokes and at mm. one point where um you see mel smith slipping the sheet music in behind the actual sheet music i thought okay right here at last he's going to actually just take a joke and why not it's a great one and it'll work well but lo and behold no that's a different joke too and an extremely good one yeah um and and that was the most impressive thing i think for me was that it was actually um constantly riffing on actual uh, bits and pieces and always did something different something legitimate something authentic and something funny and, and I have to say that they actually did a, a much better job in an opera of uh, the punch of being justified when uh, Volare <laughs> yes. is k- kissing her and <laughs> yes. Alan comes in and he, you know, okay, well, now we know why he's being punched. Okay, none of this, uh, uh, I'm, I'm hinting that she's a slut stuff. So good job. There. If, you, if what you're looking for, yeah. if yeah. what you're looking for are the are the classic bits, you know, they're all there. There is an empty your pocket scene. There mm. is a gooky. There is a, a, a Groucho Dumont wooing scene. Uh, yeah. You know, it's all it's all there, but nothing yeah. is yeah. Uh, is pure pastiche. 
And there's a, yeah, there's a crowded room there. You know, it's not the state room, but yes. it's, it's a variation of yeah. it. And I got to tell you guys, I went through that scene and I was looking up all the people in there. And there's like, there's a masseuse and I could not figure out what the name of the actress <laughs> doing the masseuse is. So, so I'm going to be looking into that now. Okay. Yeah. But I think by choosing not to play the actual Marx Brothers and not to impersonate them, it sort of frees up. I mean, it must have been a freer experience to write this screenplay because mm. instead of the challenge being, what would Harpo Marx do right now? The challenge is just, let's come up with a funny gag. Yeah, it gave them a real freedom that I don't think a, an mm-hmm. official tribute would have would have allowed. And, you know, I was looking up the reviews for Brain Donors when it came out, the contemporary reviews, and, you know, they were, they were, they were somewhat good. Uh, but one of the more recurring things that amused me was that some complained that uh, it was a little too crass and the jokes were a little too sexually oriented. And I remember thinking, where have I seen that before? And I'm like, oh, yeah, the 1932-33 reviews of Monkey Business in Horse Feathers. Yeah. They had the same complaints. It really drives home the point, doesn't it, that like, although now we think of the Marx Brothers films as great art and classic cinema um, and a somewhat uh, a cultural product that occupies a high perch, at, at the time the films came out, they were popular mainstream comedies. You know, they were the equivalent of whatever the top comedies are right mm-hmm. now. And, you know, so here it is by the people responsible for a lot of the equivalent top comedies of the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, it sort of puts the Marx Brothers in their place um, in a way that is, you know, it's that's flattering to them as entertainers. And it does take a little bit of the analytical wind out of our sails. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, we talked about the title and, you know, how I was, at least I did, how I wasn't crazy about the title. I'm also not crazy about the, this claymation that bookends the film. Not that it isn't well done. I actually think it is, but I don't really think it, it helps the film or fits mm. in it at all. Yeah. And actually, it actually hurts at the end because there's a very good gag at the end of the film, at the end of the live action. And I think right when that live action ends, that would be, that should be the end slam cut end of the film. And when you see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. So just my opinion. I think there probably was a lot of truth in what they were saying about it It was, it was padding for time. It is, it is a a comparatively short movie for these, these times, isn't it? But the other thing I was going to say was, um, with Pat saying that there was a second screenplay, at least partially written, certainly a second idea. Um, mm. Isn't it an, an ironic shame that a film this recent, you know, the f- film that, that it was only made in the 1990s, uh, mm. you know, ca- cannot be followed up by the by these players because uh, uh, Mel Smith is is no longer with us. Mm. Unless you recast again, you know it, it, it can only be an idea. I think he should publish right. that script, though. He should, he should he should release it as a as a as a book. But you know, if he had come up with any really good jokes there, he, I'm sure he would have used them in yeah, some sure. subsequent <laughs> projects. So they weren't just they're not just sitting there in a drawer. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to bring up one other thing. Um, did anyone else notice that the guy who played the hero dancer? Did anyone else notice that it seemed like all of his dialogue in the film was dubbed? He does feel a little dubbed, yeah. And some of his his early scenes, I had the impression that maybe he was putting on an American accent. Maybe he wasn't really a, an English speaker, or maybe he... His name uh, is... Spike Alexander. It seemed like all his dialogue was dubbed in. Maybe that's not his original voice. 
Maybe that's why he they thought of him as the Zeppo, because he's not that good an actor. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. Spike, if you're listening, uh, you did a great job. <laughs> um, Juliana Donald, who's billed as Julie Donald, who plays the ingenue role, um, I knew she was familiar to me from something. I couldn't put it together. Uh, she played the character of Jenny in The Muppets Take Manhattan. Uh. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I should also say, uh, for any British listeners, if you if you still uh, need to have this sold to you and, and Mel Smith isn't quite enough, uh, John Savident appears in it uh, in the equivalent role to uh, to Sig Ruman, Laszlo, mm. the uh, mm. the the pompous lawyer. Uh, John Savident was uh, an actor who who appeared in many things. Um, including Clockwork Orange and uh, mm-hmm. lots of stuff like that. But he's most famous for, for having a regular role in Coronation Street, which is uh, a, uh, not a sitcom, if only it was a sitcom, uh, a soap opera that's been on forever here since the early 1960s. He's a, he was a regular on that. And he was also in the news back in uh, 2000 because he was uh, stabbed in his neck during the night in his own house. Mm. Um, Wait a minute. I thought that was George Harrison. <laughs> very much like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he, he actually he played a butcher in in uh, in Coronation Street, and uh, he, the, the the large uh, plaster that he had on his neck afterwards was explained in the plot of uh, of Coronation Street as an accident he'd had in his uh, in his butcher's shop. But anyway, he's in the film, and he's very funny. And believe it or not, uh, according to the internet, he's still around. Oh, is he? Yeah, let's get him on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, our friend uh, Dan Ward on Twitter um, p- pointed out that uh, in the empty your pockets gag, a pair of Groucho glasses are among the things that uh, Bob Nelson yes. takes out yeah. of his coat. And there's also a little bit of comedy with the harp in the orchestra pit at the ballet. Mm-hmm. That it's uh, yes, yeah, so it suddenly looms up in the foreground, doesn't it, in a very suggestive way? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he uses it to slice a pound cake or something. Yeah, yeah. In jail, they all start singing. They sing a little medley of songs together. That feels very much like, oh, we got to do the Marx Brothers thing where they spontaneously erupt into song. They sing The Lion Sleeps Tonight and uh, Mm. Nobody Knows the Troubles I've Seen. Yeah, again, a very good joke. And it starts off with them singing very mournfully. And in the end, they're just singing singing for the hell of it. So, again, a very authentic joke. And Matthew, I want to thank you for saying something that I didn't have the nerve to say. Uh, that that this might actually be better or funnier than a couple of actual Marx Brothers films. Now that did slip <laughs> out, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I know this is going to lose us a few subscribers. Uh, maybe Scott Alexander. I don't know, Scott. <laughs> uh, but it had to be said. Yeah, as I said, you know, I just wish some of those later scripts had anything like that kind of ratio of of joke to uh, to straight line. You know, or at least approach. Yeah. Mm, if yeah, the later yeah. Marx Brothers vehicles had been created with the same kind of reverence for the early Marx Brothers vehicles that, yes, that this film yes. was. Yeah. That's that's the thing, isn't it? It was made it was made by people who love the Marx Brothers. And unfortunately those those last MGM films are not made by people who love the Marx Brothers. You don't think Irving Becker loved the Marx Brothers? Well, uh, I'm just kidding. Brecker <laughs> <laughs> was hell bent on destroying the Marx Brothers. We all know this. <laughs> What do you guys think about the rest of the Zucker and Abrams and Proft filmography and its connection to the Marx Brothers? I mean, they they are in many ways the exponent of broad film comedy in their in their era. 
I liked what uh, I think D- David said that that uh, airplane was their night of the opera and top secret was their duck soup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had the uh, great experience of seeing Top Secret uh, for the first time just a few days ago. I most of the the ZAZ films um, I saw when I was a kid, um, but somehow I missed that one. So I, I got to see it for the first time um, and and loved it. I really liked it a lot. Mm. Um, and I know it's interesting. David, uh, in his conversation with us and also in other interviews that I've read, has talked about it as being, I guess, in his mind, something of a misfire because of the, the lack of a specific satirical target, that it's kind of a World War II movie, it's kind of an Elvis movie, and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it combines all these... Uh, but maybe maybe that was a bigger problem when it was new. Uh, now it seems like this kind of joyous mashup of cinematic mm-hmm. tropes and um, a, a pretty impressive act of sustained cinematic yeah. laugh-out-loud yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, as often with these films... The momentum builds over the course of the film, and so when you may just be kind of cracking a smile at the gags in, in the first stretch of the film, if it's working, by the time you get to the the third act, you're just helpless. And so in Top Secret, by the time we got to the singing horse, it was yeah. all over for me. Yeah. I, I couldn't... Uh, I couldn't sit up straight anymore. And then with that Wizard of Oz ending, I mean, I just wanted to stand and cheer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm missing most of all, Scarecrow, you know. <laughs> yes. Yes, and, and that film in a big way, but also Airplane and Naked Gun films, and, and you know, a very common um, device is that the characters in these films often find themselves sort of dropped unexpectedly into familiar scenes and bits of dialogue from classic films. You know, these extended references are all of a sudden we're, we're in Casablanca or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a way, Brain Donors is an extended version of that gag. It's just a Marx Brothers film. These characters have found themselves in Marx Brothers land. The same mm-hmm. way in Top Secret, suddenly we're having the same conversation uh, Bogart and Bergman did in Casablanca. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's going to about do it. You know, there's nothing that will ruin a good comedy more than overanalyzing it. So I think we should maybe just get out of here and let everybody just find the film legally and enjoy (laughs) it. And uh, for those of you who are upset, we did mention the Marx Brothers a few times during this episode. So this does qualify as an official episode of the (laughs) podcast. Okay. Now for our final song, I've picked something that's related to the episode that we just heard and has personal meaning to me. And for those of you who have seen my wife park a vehicle, I think you'll understand (laughs) the tie-in. So let's hear it.
Brothers Council podcast is hosted by Matthew Conium, Noah Diamond, and Bob Gassell, and is produced and edited by Bob Gassell. Matthew Conium's books, The Annotated Marx Brothers, and That's Me, Groucho, are published by McFarland. Noah Diamond's book, Give Me a Thrill, The Story of All Say She Is, is published by Bear Manor Media. Both can be found at major book outlets. For more info on this and all episodes, visit our website at MarksBrothersCouncilPodcast.com. Also look for us on Twitter, but not on Parlor. And for the place to talk Marks and meet fellow fans, join us on the lively Marks Brothers Council Facebook group. This is Heidi Gassell, and I suck at parking. See you next time! Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley.